This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, the guys talk about the opportunities and pitfalls the pandemic created and how we address those now and move forward. There's also an EduTech tip of the week. So much more up next on EduTech Guys. You're listening to the EduTech Guys. EduTechGuys.com. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm David Henderson. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. Yeah, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in, turning on, downloading, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. Yeah, glad to be here. Hey, don't forget, you can always find us on the web, www.edutechguys.com. Heck, just go out to Google, type in EduTechGuys. You're going to find us on all your favorite social media at EduTechGuys. That's right. And remember, it's EduTechGuys, you in the middle. Because without you, it's just EdTech. Yeah. Which is kind of the same thing, but <laughs> but it's got you. But it's you, you and me, <laughs> and me and you, <laughs> Ebony and I. <laughs> oh my! You got, you got, you got what I need! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> hey, today on the show, uh, we thought we'd talk a little bit about um, kind of where we're going because you know the. It's interesting, and this is just a non-political comment here, but now, now that the war and everything and inflation has taken over, I, I guess COVID's over. I mean, I, I'm not sure. We're dropping masks like, you know, like fly I, balls in the, uh, you know, Oakland A's outfield. But, I mean. <laughs> we are, but I don't. did you see China? Now, this is at the time of this recording. Uh, China's, like, starting to shut down because they got, like, 54 million people that are infected with some new variant. Oh, whatever. <laughs> That's exactly. You, you know. mean China, the the only <laughs> ally to Russia at this point? Hmm. 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 Anyway, anyway. So, today's discussion is about... <laughs> Listen, we're about to get back to some normalcy uh, after the longest normalcy, the longest interruption of schooling um, since education kind of made you know modern education became the norm in like the late nineteenth century. This is the longest you know, period of time we haven't had a, a deal in it, and a lot of things have happened. You know, there were a lot of predictions about what's going to happen, and unfortunately, a lot of those predictions came true. Most of it was that students suffered in monumental ways. I mean, you know, enrollment dropped. 
even during the pandemic, a lot of parents just went, well, we're going to homeschool. We're going to keep our kids here. And, yeah. And when we all went online, well, we just started noticing we, well, some kids, they, they, first of all, they didn't have internet or, mm-hmm. you know, they did, some schools didn't have devices. And so we started losing kids that way. Um, that was a big one. Um, high school uh, dropouts, you know, they spiked. Um, that was a big one. Uh, why do I need this? You know, that comes back to a show we did not long ago. Why? Yeah. Why am I doing why? this? Yep. You know, I'm, heck, how many kids actually during the pandemic sold eight hundred thousand dollars worth of NFTs or cryptocurrency? Right. Whatever, they, yeah, whatever they came up with. I don't know, McLaren. Why do I need to go to school and take algebra? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, college enrollments dropped, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But I think that's also due to the fact that a lot of kids, especially uh, junior, senior level, college age level, realized, wait, are there other avenues I can take besides? Secondary and post-secondary education. Can I get my GED and then can I do this? Right, exactly. Well, and and then kind of a, a, an extension of that, uh, I think uh, a big part of what happened really across the board in, in education, really, I mean, you know, call it K-16 if you want to, uh, is you have the mental and emotional effects of, you know, being secluded, being in your you know, in your house, locked up all the time during the initial part of that, and even as as schools started returning to what to borrow that word normalcy, which I I, I hate that. I hate the whole concept that people want to quote return to normal. Yeah, normal wasn't working. Why on earth do we want to go back to that? But all that to say that uh, you know, even as we were coming back. You're still keeping students away from each other, you know, kind of putting each student in their own little bubble. And even when they're not in the bubble, those social interactions are, are very limited in, you know, what can happen. And, and there's a lot of, um, you know, the social distancing, as, they, as it was called, you know, it was really more about physical distancing. Mm-hmm. And all of that comes into play. And you do. You have students who, like you said, you know, they're dropping out of high school. They're dropping out of college. Not just because of, hey, you know, I can go, you know, I'm already working. I can make money over here or I can make a living over here or I just don't want to do this. So I'm going to go do something else. But a big part of it is also that mental and emotional piece that, unfortunately, truly reared its head and and still continues to rear its head through all of this. And so you see decreasing enrollments, you see horrid test scores, whether you're talking standardized tests or localized tests, you know, in classrooms, mainly I think a big part of that is because of what we're seeing with students' mental and emotional health. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of teachers and and I've seen a lot of articles and I've seen a lot of uh, social media posts where teachers are talking about the kids coming back have been so far removed at certain age levels that they didn't socially, you know, they were already probably socially awkward anyway, but having lost that stability of friendship and, and, and interaction, they're coming back to class and they don't have it. And it's very evident to me when you think about this, is so terrible. You know, when we used to all the, the spelling words. Okay, we got to have the spelling words done. Well, somebody would get all the definitions, and we'd all borrow their sheets, and we write the. De- <laughs> yes, we cheated. Oh my gosh, on spelling words. But there was something about that peer interaction of learning together, and you know, being able to look across the room at a friend or right next to you, mm-hmm. and go, "Wait, I don't get that. What's what's that mean?" And they mm-hmm. go, "Hey, this is what it is." We lost all that with Zoom. And, you know, online and, you know, I'm trapped here. 
especially if you had no internet. If you right. were getting your work on a thumb drive and plugging it into a computer and just you and your mom and dad and your little sister, what do you do? You yeah. know, I mean, I, I can't can't ask anybody else. Mom and dad don't know or they're tired or they're not here or they're working or, you know, that was that's a really big deal. And now we're trying to overcome that and fix that whole problem. I think the biggest thing I hate is that I believe in online learning and I believe in in-person learning. Mm-hmm. I believe there's this <laughs> fine line of knowing how to use those. So that whole opportunity we were having where we were teaching online, we didn't take the opportunity to really delve into how to prep our educators to do that. Right. Well, to give them the ability to, you know, and and we're asking a lot of our educators. We're asking prognosticators to be, you know, consultants, to be doctors of a sense of like, let me diagnose, you know, what David and Jeff need individually in my classroom. David's definitely a one-on-one me and him talking, keeping it, Jeff just giving the, the work and he does it online, that kind of thing. Um, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't prep him for that. Well, I, we, we didn't for sure. And, and of course, and, and we're, we're saying that as a very general blanket statement. Right, there, right. there are obviously districts out there who were way ahead of the curve, ready to go, really. And when it hit, honestly, there, I mean, there are districts out there who uh, there, was, there was a bit of a hiccup, but for the most part, they were like, yeah, we're kind of already doing this. We got to adjust a hair here or a little there. And then, of course, there were the majority of districts who had no freaking idea that, you know, what was going to happen. And I think the biggest problem is it, it came on suddenly. I mean, you know, for, for many folks, it was, you know, it was a few days before spring break. And then it was, you're not coming back for a year, you know, or however long it was. You know, it's kind of like, wait a minute, what? And, and I think I think one of the biggest um, missteps uh, and it can still be fixed. This is the thing. Nothing that we're talking about can't be fixed. It's just it's a matter of somebody in the position of being able to stand up and say, "We got to fix this." I think right. one of the things that needs to be fixed is just what you talked about. You know, they weren't. Our, our, a lot of our educators weren't prepared for this. I got you. Okay. So the question is, all right. So they're not prepared. So what is being done to prepare them? And I think part of the problem is that a lot of districts and a lot of, of a lot of the, the 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 people in charge of handling districts and hmm. uh, in, in, in figuring out what is needed, uh, I think they they a lot of them. I'm trying to say this very nicely, and there's just not really nice. I way don't to say, say it nicely. Right, so, <laughs> I think the, the big issue is that a lot of folks thought that if we throw devices, I don't care what they are, Chromebooks, iPads, you name it, we're going to throw devices at kids, and we're going to throw internet at kids, and um, they're at home. You know, they, they like to be at home playing games and stuff anyway, so this isn't going to affect them at all. We'll just throw all this stuff at kids, throw all this stuff at the educators, throw all this stuff at the parents, thinking that that was going to be, as we have often said, the silver bullet. And it, it somewhere along the way, folks lost sight, many districts lost sight of the fact that these are just tools. The, you know, technology is not going to solve the problem. Right. I can give you a hammer. A hammer is not going to build a house. Right. You know, if you don't know how to use the tool and use it correctly and appropriately and, you know, within the limitations of that tool, it's just not going to happen. And not only that, but that hammer is not going to build a house. It takes much more than a hammer to build a house. Right. And I, and I think that's one of the pitfalls we talked about. You know, one of the pitfalls of this whole thing is that 
we have this technology and many districts thought that was going to solve the world's problems. You know, and the crazy part about that is, is that, and you're right, who cares anymore? <laughs> all of this online software, all of this stuff is just enhanced, gorgeous, fully interactive worksheets. That's what it is. It's just enhanced, fully interactive, lots of gameplay worksheets. That's what we do now. Um, we just took it from being worksheets that I sent home 50 multiplication questions on a sheet or you were writing this, answering these questions, and now it's just interactive and it's easier to you know get to it and um, a, a fluffy monkey does this and a giraffe does this or you know, you're racing cars because you're answering you know math questions correctly. It's just worksheets. Um, interestingly enough, that's what's happening. But we've a lot of schools have come back and they're still wanting us to do the interactive worksheets. And now we want you to do the other worksheets too. Right. And if the worksheets don't work, you know, the worksheets were working. Test scores in the 80s and 90s were, I guess, fine. You know, I'm using some doctors now that were kids when I was teaching early and they're saving my life. So I think the worksheets worked back then in the copying of the spelling words. And so now here we are in the tech stuff and we've got all this interactive stuff. And all I can tell that everybody's telling me is that test scores are in the dumps and kids are depressed and everything's not working out. So where is the fine line of, you know, where does this become a tool again? And we understand its actual need or we're actually answering that question of why am I doing it this way? Why do mm -hmm. I need a monkey to tell me that I spelled it right? Or why do I need to, you know, I mean, yeah. why do race cars matter? You know, that's interesting that we're not addressing that with kids because they have a lot of why why questions. Why am I doing that? Well, we've always had a lot of why questions. Right, but right. <clears throat> we're not really handling that. And I believe that if you want to know my opinion to, okay, the pandemic's over, we have mental health issues, okay, it's 1978, let's get back to teaching classroom and pretending that, you know, I've got to teach for 40 minutes and then here's the tools I have at my disposal to make that better. It's no longer just, you know, at the sound of the ding, turn the slide. You know, now it's actually, we'll watch this, you know, YouTube video or we're going to go here to the digital sandbox or we're going to do this over here. I think it's perfectly fine, but I think it's time to fix that problem. And if we didn't have these problems, then why are we going to see, in my opinion, this spring, a massive exodus of teachers from education? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I, we are going to see, and we already, you know, we've already been seeing it, mm -hmm. but we're going to see, you know, I've got to do something else. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the sad part is, is that I, I know some great educators out there in their early to mid 20s that are like, oh, I no. I mean, right now they're teaching their hearts out in a classroom, but as soon as this year's over, it's like, I'm going to go do something else, you know, because this isn't working for me. It's killing me. Mm -hmm. Well, wow. Whoever thought we'd, you know, get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think kind of in combination with that or, or an extension of that conversation is, is as we're tying things, you know, sort of to the technology, as schools are trying to figure things out, and especially on the curriculum side, um, I, I don't know, it just seems weird to me that you've got a lot of districts who are trying, they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we help the students? You know, how do we, how do we, throw test scores aside, you know, the heck with test scores, just how do we help the students learn? 
know, how do we get back to that? You know, how do we get to the ba- back to the basics of curriculum? And I think part of the one of the issues that I see in a lot of districts who are trying to figure out what they're going to do with their curriculum, and so they're looking at you know, creating, if they don't already have, maybe they're creating curriculum coordinator type positions. They're trying to bring in someone either from the outside or promote from within that can help steer that boat. Um, but they, but there's a lot of concentration. And from my perspective, there's a much, it, it, there's too strong of an emphasis on the technology side. Yeah. Let's focus on building the curriculum. Yep. Let's focus on how do we take, you know, we're required to teach the state standards here in Arkansas, and I'm sure it's similar across many states. All right, so how do we get back to teaching the students out of whatever the materials happen to look like, whether it's a, you know, bound textbook, whether it's open resources from the internet, whatever the resources are that helps that teacher communicate the lessons to learn those particular standards that are educating the students what they need to know. I, I, you made a you made a great point a while ago. You know, we're we're older, so you know we went through school in the seventies and the eighties. First of all, I I know we didn't get tested, you know, <laughs> standardized test anywhere near. I, I think I got tested twice my entire you know career. I think I think fourth grade and maybe eighth grade. I I, I vaguely remember something like an Iowa test or something. Yeah. I don't know. I chose Coke, and, not Pepsi. Well, there you go. <laughs> the blind taste test. Um, and and but beyond that, you know, we had the, the the teachers were teaching us whatever it was they were supposed to be teaching us. Do I remember the day I learned how to read? No, it was a process. Do I remember the day that I you know figured out how to solve quadratic equations? No, that was all part of the process. Right. You know, do I remember the technology involved? No, but I can take a guess and go, I don't know, it was probably a overhead projector and, you know, old Dr. Suzuki on a film strip in physics class, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> who knows? It, it, none of that to me, it, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it's the wrong focus. We've right. got to focus on the curriculum. We've got to focus on helping these students want to learn. Answering the why. Answering the why. And with that, we're going to stop our rant, (laughs) end rant here, (laughs) insert. Hey, listen, uh, right now, uh, we haven't talked about the East Initiative in a while, and we should. We should always talk about the East Initiative. Matt and his folks are doing a great job. And in fact, right now in Hot Springs, Arkansas, the East Initiative Conference is going on as we speak. Um, So if you want to find out more about the East Initiative and their conference, just go to eastinitiative.com. Org. Yeah, that's right. You can check it out. They're actually, it's not just an Arkansas thing. They have actually, they've got all over the East place. programs all over the country. So there may be one near you that you're not even aware of. Yeah. Check out the website. Check it out. See if you find one. Yeah. So now I guess what time it is. <gasps> Edutech tip of the week. Week. So listen, this one comes from this. Speaking is a, of weak. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting over a cold. What can I say? We all weak. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, This is coming from uh, Casey Bell at Shake Up Learning. This is an article she turned out uh, this week sometime. Uh, Gmail hacks. So some great stuff. We'll go through them real quick here. One of my favorites, undo send. So you can go to your settings in Gmail and you can set an undo send time limit up to 30 seconds. So if you accidentally send something, uh, maybe it's got a misspelled word in it. Maybe it's got some 
words that you spelled correctly, but you shouldn't have put in there. Um, uh, you can, uh, you after you send it, you can you can use one of those words and say oh mm, and go back and stop that thing from sending. So that's a big one right there. <laughs> I was I did not know that. You, you, you that, coming say, that was great. Just wait. So next uh, <laughs> up next up next and that well, another cool one, schedule and email. So that's an easy one. Yeah, so what's really cool about scheduling an email is that you can uh, take an email, go ahead and compose it, and then if you don't want it to go out right away, you can tell it what time did you want it to go out. So, for example, at the Education Service Center where I work, we're doing an employee spotlight of the week where we send out a graphic and talk a little bit about uh, the employees' answer questions. It's kind of a fun way to get to know the employees. Well, as they've been submitting information, I build the graphics and then I go ahead and schedule those out. So I've got, and we're doing one a week. So I've got uh, nearly half a year's worth of emails scheduled because I know what time and day of the week they're going to go out. So I use schedule email. Yeah, best way to do it. Another one's email signature. If you're not using an email signature and you might be doing that, just remember you can put all kinds of stuff in there, links, uh, pictures, graphics, all that kind of stuff. So build yourself a decent email signature that has all that information in it, your, your contact information, or even the, the, the links to your Google Classrooms and things like that so that they're always at the bottom for parents and students to get a hold of. Yeah. Next one's labels. Hey, labels are folders. Kind of, you know, you're just going to label stuff. That's just a great way to make sure you're labeling things. And what goes right along with that is filters. So you can set up some cool filters to do stuff like, you know, if it comes from these people, uh, salespeople, please stop. Please stop calling. Um, <laughs> stop emailing me. Um, uh, you can have it sent automatically to uh, trash or you can have, you know send back a, a reply or you can just label it junk. So that's a big one. Well, and, and if you use the, the combination of the filters and labels like Jeff just alluded to, you know, you could label it sales if you wanted to. Or um, if you're accustomed to an email system that uses folders and you've just switched over to Gmail, labels will label things. But you may notice that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's still all in your inbox. Well, you can filter things. And one of the filters is, hey, when I get an email from so-and-so, then I can tell it to skip the inbox but apply the label. So I do this like with my boss. I say, skip the inbox, but label it as my boss's name, and then it automatically gets labeled off to the side, and whenever I get an email, I've got it, it highlights, uh, you know, it, it uh, bolds her name, and so I know, oh, she just sent me an email, rather than it getting lost in the inbox, which is very likely to happen with me. Exactly. So also along that same line, you can use email templates. We were talking about the scheduled send. So if you're used to sending something a lot, Take that email when you get it before you finish, uh, go to the top right-hand corner of three dots and say, make it an email template and keep that template to use for responding to parents with some stuff that you're used to, you know, constantly typing. You've got an email template built. Last but not least, archive versus delete. Main reason to archive and not delete. If you delete, you can still search that deletion box for 30 days. But after 30 days, Google says bye-bye to all your deleted stuff. If you archive it, you can search it forever and ever, and you don't have to see it in your inbox and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was the Edutech tip of the week, and, um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about that one. <laughs> Thank Are you, you. Do you feel good? Thank you, Kelsey Bell, for putting that out there so we can steal it from him. I'll give her all the credit. She wrote it all. Hey, listen, it's been a great time. I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. I'm, we're out of here. I'm sniffling. I'm sniffling. I've got a code. It's a, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to hit the road. Hey, listen, I'm Jeff Madlock. Oh, I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the EduTech Guys. EduTechGuys.com.
There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all. all. But B don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.